You're listening to Dead Set Podcasting with your host, Josh Liston. This is a show dedicated to podcasting in Australia, New Zealand, and Southeast Asia. Follow along with today's episode over at deadsetpodcasting.com. Okay, here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to Dead Set Podcasting. Josh here. Super stoked today, one of my podcasting idols, I guess, but more so just a person that I really, really like in general and has a show that I listen to a lot and I'll explain in a second when I introduce Rick further why I love that particular show and it's maybe not so much for the information, it's for something else. But I'm here with Rick Roberts from the School of Laughs. It's a fantastic podcast and website. Rick is a professional stand-up comedian and corporate speaker with kind of a slant towards entertaining, funny kind of speeches, so the non-boring variety. And also, I discovered Rick through Big Podcast, which was a book by David Hooper, a previous guest of the show. And it's funny, it's kind of led to me being as or more invested in Rick's world than I maybe was even in that book, which I think is fantastic. So that's the sort of thing that can happen. You trace back how you discover something and yeah, there's a couple of steps involved, but I found Rick. So welcome to my little podcasting show, Rick. And this is purely pretty much for the independents out there. So, <laughs> Excellent. I'm happy to be on and uh, happy to talk podcast. And I've, I guess I started mine in 2014, I think it was. So it's been, it's been a little while. Yeah. So I think I started listening the middle, might've been the middle of 2019 or the start of 2019. And I think I've gone back through the entire catalog probably twice, but getting back to what I was saying before, the reason I love the show is not only because I basically found it when I was starting stand-up and being in a part of the world that doesn't have a regular open mic and we're 300 kilometres plus away from Melbourne, which is our big comedy city. It's not an easy trip to get down there and back to then not potentially get a spot. I had to find a way to cover a little bit of the journey off and learn a few things and, you know, get rid of a few mistakes before even getting on stage, really, and that's what the show was. But I love the companionship of the show. That's what it actually gives me. The information, like some of it I've maybe moved past, and some of it is way too far in the future for me when it comes to, you know, when you're talking about stuff that you'll be approaching 10, 20 years into doing stand-up. The podcast gave me... It was almost like listening to two interesting friends just banter off each other and in particular maybe that first 50 to 70 episodes with your original co-host Gavin the show is still fantastic but that one I guess I'm more emotionally attached to that period Rick because I felt a kinship with Gavin because he was a complete newbie so I guess can we just start there firstly obviously you recognize how important that first period of the show was but how does it feel to hear people maybe I'm sure I'm not the only person who reiterates that period of the show was special to them What's that like as the host of a podcast to hear that, I know your early work is the stuff that maybe people bring up the most? You know, it, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is I'm glad that the the early shows had some information that was worthwhile, you know, right out of the gate. And I'm, I'm, I'm surprised kind of looking back that, you know, we, we had even more takeaways in those early episodes than we do now because of Gavin. And he was integral in that first part. I was teaching a live class and Gavin was in it. And after the class, you know, I'd say, okay, that's all I'm teaching for today, but you have any just random questions that are lingering that we, we may not address in a writing class. And, you know, we sat there for another 45 minutes just talking comedy because everybody has questions if you've never done it before. And I said, you know what? I wish I could do a podcast because this is exactly what 
people need to learn, but I don't feel like it's information that I should teach and charge for. But if if they could get an ear in into this conversation, it would be like hanging out in a green room. And that's access that new comics don't have. And then maybe through that, they might like the way that I teach and discuss things and, and find the classes or whatever. And then Gavin raises his hand. He goes, I've done a podcast before. I've got all the equipment. I'll bring it next week and we could do one right after the class is over. And then I said, let's do it. So the early on, it was great. He he was the ear of the newbie. Uh, he helped field the questions and then he was able to edit and put it together for me. So, you know, that was a huge load off of my plate. And we would kind of get a timeline to go on to where we could get it together every week. And then sometimes he would just come in and sit next to me many of those episodes and try jokes out. And I'm, I'm really glad that, that those first episodes, especially with him, have a lasting impact. I think just as a former musician in a previous life, Rick, I think sometimes when people continuously talk about the early work that you did, and I'm sure you get it with some of your best early jokes, that if that stuff comes up too much, it can kind of get a little bit like, well, I'm still doing this thing and there's new stuff out there. And I guess the thing you want to hear about is the most recent thing that you've done at all times, that that's brilliant and whatever. But I love your attitude about that because I don't think everybody would be so happy that people talk a lot about the early days. But I think also what you've done is you've taken people on a very an important journey because that first bunch of episodes are very much for people like where I was and still am in the beginner phase. But now you're talking to more and more people that have been doing it for 20 plus years like yourself and, you know, those people, they want to, if they're listening or people are trying to get to that point, they need more advanced information. So how, as a podcast producer, how do you cover off on remembering there's new people joining the show all the time, but they're not getting 50 or 60 episodes now, they're getting 200 and also, ca- yeah. and also catering for the people that want more advanced information. Like you've got more, a broader audience maybe than what you did have. Yeah, I, if, if I could go back, and maybe it's not too late to do this, I would categorize those first 50 or 100 and go back and just say this is season one. This is pre, you know pre-game, pre-first time on stage information. And if you're trying to get into comedy and you can only listen to 50 episodes, these are the 50 to listen to. And then and maybe have thought that out a little bit further, like, the first year of episodes is like your first year of doing comedy. The second 50 is like your second year of doing comedy and, and maybe think of it that way better. But now that I've gotten 225 episodes into it, I think what I probably need to do more often is, is remind people who are just finding the newest episode that those first 50 are primed for beginners. And I don't probably do that as much as I should. I might even retool my intro to, to include that. So it's there every single time. Potentially. I think that would be, super helpful i mean just for the new person because it's for people that maybe don't have the ability to get on stage 10 times a week and learn all those lessons just through experience i think that it's a really important encapsulation of all those i mean you talked about certain things that i've mistakes that i would have made being inexperienced that i've had the opportunity not to make I think sometimes the what not to do's can be as important for a podcast as telling people what to do because sometimes you know Things that work with people can be, they can work with some people, they can't work with other people in the crowd or with a professional that you're dealing with, a booker or whatever, but the don't do seem to be pretty universal. <laughs> like, and that's, I think that yeah. sometimes that's the most valuable part of a podcast is you can take or leave the do to the to-dos, but you should probably completely avoid the not-to-dos, and you've got lots of those in that first 50. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, that was 
what I really liked about Gavin is he kept coming at me with a lot of those, you know, how can I avoid doing this? Or what if I get stage fright? Or what if you get a heckler? Or what if you can't think of something on stage? And avoiding those. Now, there's always going to be things you have to experience just so you have the experience of handling it. But there are certain things like like not knowing you should count the money after a show right in front of the person who paid you. I didn't know that till it was too late. You know, I got an envelope. I assumed it was right. I got home and it was the other comedian's pay who was on a lower part of the show than I was. And he never came clean and gave me the rest of the money that I was deserving. So now, now I know that, but I can tell you that from the very beginning. So you always do it. And you know, it's not uncomfortable to count the money in front of somebody. It's not being rude. It's just that if you leave that room and come back and say it was a different number, they may not believe you because you left the room with that money. You know, those little things like that. When I started, there w- there wasn't any kind of podcast to tell me that stuff. There was a few comedians, but not very many who wanted to be helpful that would pass that stuff off. One thing that really stood out to me was that Gavin certainly was the type of person I would describe as a seeker. He was definitely wanting to know as much information from you as possible, and then that basically then filtered out through the podcast. But I was thinking the other day, because I've recently re-listened to a lot of that stuff because I was coming up to doing my first show in a fair while and I'm like I need some energy here and I find that your show gives me a little bit of focus on this week you're a comedian Josh or attempting to be you got to block the rest of the world out (laughs) he at times he was I don't think if he was a more confident person about it that some of the value would be in your show that there actually is because he really was asking lots of questions maybe if he was if he was overly confident or thought that he knew how to do it all already i don't think the show school of last would be as great in that early period as what it actually is and that might be a funny thing yeah, to say but he was really concerned about making mistakes and he would drill down on you about that <laughs> yeah and that's a great point i hadn't thought of that before but he definitely was to the extreme of being over cautious which led to a lot of great questions and I bet if I listened back, I could. I, I bet there were times where I even sounded annoyed a little bit. Like, dude, you just got to go out there and try it, you know? There were times. We can talk about it all day. <laughs> but I think that's part of the companionship because it was like listening to two, you know, there was almost like a little bit of a brotherly thing at times more so than, yeah, like you were just patting him on the head. It's okay. You just got to get out there and fail. But yeah. I, right. Yeah. That's, I guess, brings me to my next question, Rick, is just, what maybe now that we've gone through a pretty tough year but and things you know things in 2020 may be different with the podcast than they would have if things were you know more regular i guess what's changed most about your show from the early part of the show obviously you had a co-host then and now you don't but is there anything noticeable now about the show that maybe you weren't getting from the show early on or some has anything changed about it that really stands out You know, I think this year, especially, I miss having somebody live in the same room, having a discussion as opposed to doing things over Zoom and Skype that we're forced to do now. It can still definitely work. You can still get the information, but I just, I just miss hanging out the 20 minutes before we roll the the recording. And then most times when I had somebody into the office or I met somebody, we would go have dinner or lunch afterwards or coffee. And that to me... I miss a lot and not just with podcasting, but in general this year, but especially when I, when somebody makes the effort to come to my place and do a, an episode, I want to treat them to a little dessert or a coffee or just something for making the trip. Cause we all are busy people and the information they give out there, you know, you've heard enough of the episodes. They're, they're very straightforward and honest. They're giving you tips that, you know, they don't have to give. They're giving you failure stories that are embarrassing or, or humbling, but they're doing that. And I just feel like, Hey, I, 
I want to hang out and do something with you after. And again, most of them are my friends. Like I've done it comedy for 30 years. So it's a chance for me to spend a couple hours with a buddy. And I, I really miss that. If anyone's out there listening and they're thinking, well, I'm in, my show's about something where I've got a lot of contacts, whether it's pop culture and you've got friends that you went to Comic Con with 15 years ago, or you're both fans of the same sports team now, or whatever. One thing that Rick does that I think is brilliant is that without doing a full biography of how you met people, you do generally introduce those episodes as this is why we're friends. Because every there's so many podcasts out in the world where people say, this episode's with my friend, blah, blah, blah. But they have none of the rapport that friends would really have. They're just using friend as a some kind of internet spammy term, really, as opposed to them being friends. And one episode that sticks out to me was, I think, with Jeff Cordwell. And yeah. you guys basically talked a little bit about how I think... I think it was with, with Jeff that you maybe went way over time or you were having difficulty with the audience or the audience wasn't receptive. And you could tell you were friends because he was talking about standing there watching you thinking, what is this crowd doing? Why don't they see how funny this guy is on this particular night? And then I think the very next show you guys had was an absolute cracker and the audience loved it. <laughs> how much time do you spend thinking, Rick, this person really is my friend, but does the audience... Will they care about how much this person's my friend? How much bio do we put in? Do you put any thought into that or are you just going purely for a natural conversation? Uh, I don't put too much thought into it. You know, I usually record the intros after the uh, podcast is over. Sometimes not, but most of the time I do. So I can think about what we talked about and then give the listener enough information on the front end to to know how I met this person and set the context for how we can have this conversation. So if it's a... Uh, a Christian comedian, and, and in the podcast we talk about anything, you know, going to a conference where it's the CCA, I make sure I let the people know on the front end, uh, you know, when he says CCA, that's a Christian Comedy Association, that's how we met, and maybe give him a little backstory about that, just so you can kind of figure out where this person's coming from, as opposed to, uh, we did one show together, I'm going to, I'm not going to try to put him off as my best friend ever, you know, so I just try to set the stage for this is this is the comfort level I'm at with this person because we've known him for 30 years or I met him last week, so I might not go as deep as I would with somebody I've known for 30 years. Yeah, I just think you do a fantastic job. It might be my favorite part of the show. Oh, thank particularly you. Particularly now that you're doing more interview-based stuff is just that little, oh, he actually does know this person because he re Rick remembers specific details about how they met and what happened around that meeting, which I just think is refreshing in podcasting because there's a lot of quote-unquote friends out there which are clearly not friends. So I guess, Rick, one thing I wanted to ask you specifically, and you're one of the few people with a great show that I know has gone through this, what's it like to start off a show with one style of show type or delivery being a co-hosted show where you were very generous early on? Basically, even though it was about you were the main information giver and the expert, you were very generous in letting Gavin be half of the show, essentially. It was a co-hosted show to moving into a different format where you no longer have a co-host. Because not many shows, I mean, I've gone the opposite way with my show, Punching Sideways. I now have a co-host, Mel, but I didn't have that to begin with and the show's only gotten better because I don't have to provide all of the energy all the time. How have you dealt with making that transition? Yeah, I definitely miss the fact that some that I can take a breath when I have a, a co-host or even a, a live guest. I, I like knowing that I don't have to speak the entire time. Cause I, 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 I think most podcasters, at some point, you feel like, 
all I've done is talk this whole time, you know, <laughs> and having somebody else ha- have an actual conversation with you is great. And then moving from that to, you know, a number of solo podcasts where I'm just digging deep into a topic just for my own. The hard part for me on the solo ones is keeping it on track without going down too many squirrel or rabbit holes, you know, like I want to talk about this, but that reminds me of this and over here's that. That's the tricky part, but I've learned to do bullet points and, and stay on task with that. And of course, I'm it's just me so I can edit out stuff if I think it didn't need to be there. The harder part when you have the co-host or a guest even, there'll be times where to get the guest to tell me about a certain thing, I know I need to tell them a story about me going through that situation first and my audience already heard that. So I have to think right when I'm getting ready to tell the story <laughs> of an edit point, then I can tell the story and then I have to leave a clean break to where I reframe the question like it's the first time that I brought up this topic. And now the other person can give their story. And I delete my whole story out of there so my audience says it doesn't have to hear that 10 times in wow. 30 episodes. Wow, that's you know? awesome because I never would have thought you were doing that. And I, I, I edit shows for people and charge them money to do so. So I've, done, I've edited probably over a thousand podcasts, including my own, Rick, and I never – I can normally pick when people are doing stuff like that. And I had no, yeah, I had no idea you – that's, had to a, that's out. an incredible insight right there because you're giving them the background they need without burying your own audience in the same story over and over again. Right. And that's the thing. You know, editing with the listener in mind is, is the absolute most important thing. You know, I used to get caught up in it should it be 22 minutes because that's the average drive time to work in America. And you, if you have it at 60 minutes, they're going to have to think it's going to take me three days to listen to, you know, a day and a day and a half of work to hear the whole thing, or I'll have to wait till I've got an hour commute to hear the whole thing. I used to worry about that. I don't anymore. If somebody goes on a really long story, for instance, this, this happens a lot. The very beginning of the podcast, especially online, it's really wordy and we're just, we're greeting each other for 10 minutes. How's it going there? Going good here. How's your wife? How's your kid? And that's good to loosen us up and we're recording, but it doesn't need to be in the podcast at all. (laughs) So a lot of times I'll do all that. And if they give me any information that's useful, I'll just put that into the introduction. Like, you know, this episode I've got Josh Liston on, you know, we're going to talk about podcasting and getting into it. And I didn't realize till today that he, he went back and listened to the first 50 episodes twice. So that's, that's the kind of relationship we have. Let's get into it. Josh, how's it going? And so that could have summed up the first 10 minutes of us kind of just getting ready to do the podcast, but the listener is, is given all the information that was crucial and has nine, nine and a half extra minutes now that, that they don't have to wait for the thing to start. That's awesome. And as a professional stand-up, I'm assuming your whole life is based around things being edited down to the second. <laughs> there's probably a, yeah. there's probably a mindset that you have that other people maybe don't have quite as attuned as what you do. Yeah, maybe not. You know, in college I was in radio news and that helped me learn how to edit actual stories and, and edit out ums and errs and learn how to speak without doing too much of that while you're speaking. So all that kind of helped out. But then when I did comedy, that news background really helped edit my setup so I can get right to the punchline, you know, as quickly as possible, but include all the necessary information. That's the key. Nice. Nice. So Rick and I are about to do something else in a minute and I'm on a bit of a timeline. So I just wanted to say thanks, Rick, for coming on and just that tip about how you structure a question, give people background, then cut it out. I think that's worth the price of admission today, to be honest, for people that are listening. You don't have to leave everything in as long as it still sounds natural. And if you are going to edit, yeah. if you are going to edit that way, though, folks, make sure you do listen back to your own show because 
there may be things that come up in that conversation afterwards where the guest might say, like you just said, Rick, blah, 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 but that's not there anymore because you've cut it out. You've got to look out for... Yeah. Yeah, you've got to look out for callbacks, I guess, in a comedy way to things that were said in a previous conversation that aren't there anymore. That's one danger of doing what Rick's saying. But as long as you're listening to your own show, that shouldn't happen. But I think that's brilliant, mate. <laughs> so, good, good. School of laughs. One thing I did want to ask, sorry, Rick, just to, to people that are out there that maybe are thinking they might be even comedy aware of the industry, there is a whole camp of people and who may, might say something like, Comedy classes are a waste of time. You don't need to do that. And there's probably a lot of industries out there where people are questioning people's intentions when they teach things. And there's a lot of genres of podcasting where that might apply. What do you say to people that are maybe thinking, or just to this audience, and they're like, well, my show's about teaching people stuff too. They don't all come to something with 20 plus years of experience like yourself, whereas you're not just a teacher that failed at comedy. You're a comedian that decides to kind of teach on the side and has a passion for teaching people is there any words of encouragement you can give those people that maybe what they're doing is actually worthwhile because i know from going through your class and listening to the podcast that regardless of whether real comedians think it's worthwhile or whatever real comedians quote unquote i think it's awesome what can you say to those people out there that have an education based show yeah i think be confident in your in your material uh, never look at money first. Like if that's your motivation, it may you may not be doing it right. Yeah. But if you really want to see people succeed, then go full steam ahead. Uh, my favorite my favorite guests on my podcast now are students who are now doing it full time. Yeah. Like that to me is my favorite guest. It's it's like having a Gavin back in the room for a minute. I saw them when they were brand new. They took the class on a leap of faith. They found it useful and they applied it, and now they're doing it. Like. That to me is, if you, if you approach it from that format, like if you never got paid, but a hundred episodes down the road, somebody who came into your podcasting class or your yoga class or whatever it is, is now doing it full time. You know what you're talking about and don't feel bad about charging for it, but don't look at the money right off the bat as the reason, because there are a lot of comedy classes that are like that. Yeah. I end up getting students that said, you know, I took this guy's comedy class and he never gave any feedback at all. He said, get up there for 10 minutes. And then the next person went for 10 minutes and we all just got on stage, but we didn't get any advice. And so I know that there's people that are trying to do a quick money grab. And let me tell you, during COVID, I've seen 20 comedy classes pop up and I hope they're getting good information from the <laughs> teachers, but I know for a fact the motivation was they're not on the road, so they got to find some way to make money. Yeah, which is not so, probably not. I mean, I feel so, I feel bad for those people because obviously they're in a, a desperate point in their life yeah. and they've been forced to endure something no one expected to, but still no one needs bad classes out in the world regardless of type. <laughs> so, <laughs> No, another thing too I, I think is important to remember is a lot of – like uh, comedians in general – are very um, inward-focused people. They're very proud of themselves. They're very proud of that they just put together this phrase that made the audience laugh and they were smarter than the audience. And those kind of comics will never tell you that a comedy class is beneficial. But if you sat down with them after a show and asking them for some tips, they would talk to you for an hour and give you tips and basically teach you something. So, and I, and I heard this happen in a green room once where the comic, he didn't know I was the one that taught the comedy class at the club and he saw the listing that, you know, there's comedy classes here. And he was telling the opening act, who would ever take a comedy class? You know, you don't need to know any of that stuff. And then after the show, that opening act asked the headliner for some information. And he sat there and almost taught a class in 30 minutes. And he goes, but you don't need to know any of that stuff. 
And so, yeah, right. Okay. So I think with the, the people who don't think comedy classes are worthwhile are people that either feel threatened by somebody gaining knowledge quicker than that they got, or they've seen people that did the money grab and think everybody does it that way. Well, that makes complete sense. Thanks for sharing that, Rick. I just wanted to ask you that. You bet. Yeah. So just to finish up just today for the podcasting related talk, we're about to go on to a comedy related talk. <laughs> so can you leave anyone with maybe one piece of podcasting advice that you have realized over time is really crucial to having a show that continues to fulfill both you as the host and also the audience? You know, one thing that I always do, especially, I do it with everybody, but I especially focus on it if it's somebody who I don't know as well. I say, hey, we're going to roll the podcast. I'll hit record here in a minute, but I just want to let you know if if when this podcast is done, if tomorrow or you know, three days from now you start thinking, oh, I shouldn't have said that that way or I shouldn't have said that person's name and you regret any part of it, shoot me an email because I usually, it's two weeks before I usually put an episode after up after an interview. I said, I've got time to take that stuff out, but I don't want you thinking about that while we're talking. So just be free to talk and then we can edit stuff out later. And only twice has anybody in 225 episodes emailed me or called me and said, hey, could you just delete that person's name or can you take that part out? I sounded a little bit cocky when I was saying that. Right. And so I think it puts people at ease to not be using both sides of their brain in a conversation, just being free to speak with their creative side. Yeah, I guess you don't want someone with ha- using half their brain to interrogate the past and think about the horrors of the future when they're meant to be talking to you in the moment. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I mean, if they're worried about should I be set, you can almost hear it in their voice sometimes. They're like, I was so, let me, how, how can I say this? That's a, that's a sign that they're not comfortable with what they're about to say. But if you tell them beforehand, I can take stuff out. They just tell you the story without any of that rambling at the beginning, hemming and hawing whether they should tell you or not. Yeah. And that's really helpful. Yeah, that's an excellent piece of advice. And I give, there's a show that I have that records in my studio here, Rick. And it's a pretty mostly positive show, but it's basically based around mental health. And sometimes the guests... Well, they're retelling parts of their past and they get very emotional, but we, we've we been gently just trying to let people know that this is the safest space as you're ever going to say that in because there's no one outside this room with all the sound treatment. Even people in the hallway can't hear what you say here. Right. We can cut it out later if you feel it compromises you, maybe with your day job or just as a person or you don't, you know, you might have moved beyond it so you don't want people to think that you're still dwelling on things. Any of those reasons, we can cut it all out later. But just don't sit there, you know, don't sit there being hard on yourself because maybe you didn't handle a tough conversation the way you would have liked to have. We'll just cut it out. So, Yeah, and and on that same line, if you just tell people, you know, be yourself because you're helping somebody. Somebody's going to hear this and it's going to help them beyond your imagination. So if you're thinking you maybe should or shouldn't tell a story, think towards the should so somebody can get that information. Excellent. Well, Rick, just want to let folks know where they can find yourself, the podcast, if they happen to be interested in comedy, maybe what they can find on the website regarding comedy. And what's one of your favorite episodes that you've released lately? Because I know I talked a lot about the early ones, but do you have a favorite more recent episode? You know, so far this year, my favorite one was the international one where we went around in March or April. Yeah. And I talked to people in eight different countries about how comedy had been affected with the shutdowns and stuff. And I learned so much just about perspective. And and I've, I actually gained a lot of new listeners from that episode because people in those countries started sharing it with their groups. Yep. And it was maybe the least funny of all the stuff. I and mean, we're pretty serious when we talk about comedy. We don't always go for the last on my podcast. Yep. But that one I found the most interesting 
just from a, I mean, we, we traveled, I can't remember how many thousands of miles we added up to in that podcast. We went around the globe basically. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. That was an excellent one. I think I actually was on that one. So yeah, that was, yes, that sir. was that one. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I'll just leave one piece of advice and hopefully this is Rick. If you're listening uh, for the people at home, this is who this man is. I asked him to plug himself and he very reluctantly didn't even mention his website. So I'm going to do that. Schooloflast.com. <laughs> you can find videos there. There's an online writing course, which actually has helped me, to be honest, Rick, more with podcasting, I think, than maybe stand up because that's just where I am with stand up. I've moved into a phase of trying to do it and then COVID and then I haven't been able to do it so much. So I've applied most of that writing course stuff to the podcast. I've got, I've got a little short form show that's about two minutes long and I've refined those jokes that I'm all those little stories that I tell on there with some of the stuff that you taught me from School of Laughs. So there you go. There's a plug at School of Laughs on Twitter for Rick. And is there anything else you want to mention? No, that's good. If they want to find out about just my stand up, it's R-I-K is how you spell Rick and it's Rick at Roberts.com and you can kind of get on there and poke around and see what I'm all about. But uh, schooloflast.com is the place to go and if there's a search tool in there where you can search any comedy topic and it'll pull up the podcast that relates to it and if you're looking for a great place to start folks and you just want to maybe you're not interested in comedy at all but you want to hear a great interview there's one with Nate Bergazzi if that name's familiar he's obviously between when that was done and now just has been on a rocket ship but he seems like a very very real human being and you guys had an incredibly casual chat but there's lots of gold in that one so check out the one with nate bigazzi right eric see you later thank you all right this episode was edited by dead set podcasting if you want your podcast to sound this good check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services get the sound you're chasing